This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host for today's show. And today, I am joined by the one and only Dave Oster. What's up, everybody? How are you, Dave, from the fast break? My goodness, it's so great to have you on. I'm doing great today. How are you? Oh, I'm excited to talk Bears, Bulls, and Major League Baseball in this edition of Behind the Pen. If you're listening on blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast, thank you. Stick around for the entirety of this podcast. If you're on YouTube, what's up, guys? Drop a like, comment down below, subscribe. If you haven't already, this is going to be a Chicago Bears segment to start the show. And Dave, uh, I had you on because I know you and Mark had a conversation with the Chicago Bears regarding, you know, a plethora of different topics, but I wanted to get your take because I always do this with somebody new on the show on what's going on in the Chicago Bears. And really the big news is the quarterback position. I want to ask, we're going to talk about a lot today regarding the Chicago Bears. Uh, First, it's going to be that quarterback spot. And then we'll probably move on with playmakers that have to step up this year for the Chicago Bears because there's plenty. And we're going to go from there as as well as Dowell Loggins because, oh boy, we got to talk about (laughs) Dowell Loggins. But I want to ask you this question because we don't have to really break down the mindset of Ryan Pace and drafting Mitch Trubisky at number two overall. However, what do you think this is going to be in terms of how Mike Glennon plays out, Mark Sanchez plays out, and Trubisky plays out in 2017? I think it's an unofficial competition going into training camp. Uh, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, Trubisky has a good stir of uh, positivity around him already after just the rookie mini camps. Um, for someone who hasn't had as much time uh, on the field, he's only you know led his team to one season, uh, and honestly. It's, it was always the question of how quickly can he, you know, catch on to things at this level? Will the game speed, you know, mess with him? Can he pick up every uh, signal he needs to? And on the other side, you have Mike Lennon, who we know what he did in Tampa. He eventually got replaced. And honestly, I, I, I still have some hope for him being a stable backup quarterback of the future and a decent placeholder for now. But I think, honestly, it is kind of like a behind closed doors it's a, it's a flat-out race for a quarterback. Mike Lennon as a stable backup, that's what you're giving him? Yeah, that's, 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 that's all he that's is. That's the top end. That's all Mike Lennon is, yeah. a stable backup quarterback. Yeah. That's he, it. He, he's the quarterback whisperer, man. What do you think happened to Jameis? Well, hey, all right. So Mike Lennon's situation in Tampa Bay really started off rocky because he had to play for Greg Schiano as an awful head coach, and then he yes. got benched for Josh McCown because, for whatever reason, Lovey Smith thought McCown was good. Bringing the band back together. And, of course— <laughs> They're going to draft Jameis Winston, and you're not going to play above Jameis Winston, number one overall pick. So Mike Glennon really never got his opportunity in the NFL, and now he got his opportunity with the Chicago Bears. And I wonder how much conversation was had between he and Pace in terms of their plans of the future, because apparently they gave him the idea that he was going to be the guy, which he will be this year. I mean, we can safely say that it's Mike Glennon's team this season, but... Boy, signing a three-year deal, one-year guaranteed. He may have saw the writing on the wall, but I don't think he saw the Trubisky signing. No, coming. I think that came out of left field. Uh, he was he was fairly surprised, and so were most people. I mean, we honestly figured, okay, we'll get a quarterback in the later round. We'll develop him over time. We're, we're, we're right. okay enough with Mike Glennon. And like you said, we haven't maybe seen him at his peak yet. He was still very young. Uh, now he's got a couple years under his belt. He is going to be a, a fairly confident quarterback who... I expect to come in day one and be able to start for us no problem. Uh, but the question for me is always going to be like, how high is his top end? 
how much further can he give us from what we saw uh, earlier in his career? Yeah, and right now, I don't know how you expect the Bears to be in terms of wins and losses next season. Not so hot. Not so hot. I think six would be the win cap for them going into next year. That would year. be a fantastic season. Six yes. and ten with this schedule as well. I mean, it's a tough schedule, and obviously it's a week-to-week basis. The NFL yep. changes over time. A lot of variables going into that, but the Bears have a lot of holes still, and they're still trying to figure out who's going to be mainstays and who can contribute on a regular basis. But when you look at the quarterback position right now, they're going to run with Trubisky sooner or later, and it's I don't think it's going to be very soon. And I, if I were to bet and you know maybe I'm a betting man I don't know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't I would probably bet that Trubisky doesn't see a snap at all this season I mean I might I'm going out on a limb and I'm that thinking that is a bold I'm, bold call it depends though if he does eventually get a snap it has to come in the last three four weeks of the season because I mean it wouldn't make any sense otherwise I think right now it's Mike Lennon's team I think Mike Lennon when you talked about it in his in terms of his age mm-hmm. technically this is kind of the age where quarterbacks enter their prime this is prime time and he hasn't really had an opportunity to really showcase what he can do his skill set very very stable is what I can tell is he's a pocket quarterback he's not going to be really mobile no Um, he's accurate underneath you know the intermediate throws he can make his deep ball is all right I guess I mean I'm not really going to grade him he didn't have really many opportunities he threw I don't know who how many weapons he had in Tampa I'm not really going to look it up here but with the Bears wide receiver core this year there's a lot of variables going into that one, too. Is Kevin White going to stay healthy? Uh, how is Cam Meredith going to play out? Are, are is he our number one wide receiver? Probably. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Wheaton's coming in, and they have guys like, um, oh, I'm blanking. Um, uh, we'll get back to it later. Let me look at this Bears uh, roster here. But it's like, does he have the weapons to succeed mm-hmm. in this Bears offense? I think, really, the interior offensive line's good. The running game is good. I like what they did uh, kind of with Tariq Cohen in the draft. I think the idea is, is is solid, especially with Langford and Howard there. But this is Mike Lennon's team, and it's his opportunity to play for the Bears, showcase in front of the rest of the NFL that he's, he can be a valuable quarterback. Because right yeah. now, the NFL and the, uh, starting quarterbacks in this league, it's kind of mind-boggling how— Many different teams are going in terms of where they like want to establish that position. Right, right. I mean, the the big thing is if you don't have a quarter, if you don't have your franchise quarterback, you're going nowhere in the NFL. And the Bears are in a state where we're still looking for that guy. You know, we went off. We were hoping it was Cutler for the longest time. We never got things to click the way we had hoped. So we're moving on, which is fine. I'm cool with a fresh start. Glennon is a guy who you know he had a year and a half of play, year off basically on the bench. And then he got a single game worth of snaps in uh, Tampa last year in garbage time where he actually didn't look bad. Like he had 10 of 11 for a touchdown and he, he moved the ball. But again, that's garbage time against Atlanta. I mean, we all know how how well Atlanta's defense pans out at the end of a game. But my, my thing Dang. here, I, I, I just tossed that had in to there. Had to fit that in there. I just did. Um, my thing here is, like you said, he, he's a very accurate passer in the short game. And to be fair, that's probably what, it's going to be the Bears' bread and butter this season because we don't have an established deep threat uh, who's going to be consistently there for us. I think we're going to rely heavily on uh, both screen passes, bubble screens, and just short slants out because we don't really have, unless Kevin White you know, surpasses all expectations and is able to play a whole season and is able to stay healthy and you know consistent, we, we're not going to have that deep threat that we you know really need to balance out that offense. So I think Mike Lennon with a conservative offense and a heavy dose of that run game, 
honestly, that's about the best thing you can ask for this year while you're developing Trubisky in the background. I am extremely concerned about if Trubisky gets time to play this year because of what we saw with Jared Goff and his development last year. Boy, he didn't look good. He he was thrown to the Lions. And honestly, that it's it's not quite as bad as the old uh, Car days back with the Texans. That man was absolutely massacred. His his NFL career is over before it started because of the punishment he took in his rookie right, and year. And Goff didn't have any offensive line help at all. And that's the problem. But he also didn't have any wide receivers. And that's kind of where I see the fear factor for someone like Trubisky, where it's like, you don't have a, a stable wide receiver who you can work with uh, every week. You know, Cam Meredith is someone who honestly lived above expectations last year and became our number one unofficial as the season ended. So I, I think one of the best things that we're going to see out of this year is Mike Lennon kind of finding out we're going to filter through. We, we went through and grabbed a lot of undrafted wide receivers, some free agents. And I think we're going to filter through those throughout uh, the first probably month of the year, maybe maybe the first half of the year. And if we're completely out of it by, you know, the last three games, yeah, I'd be okay seeing Trubisky get a couple shots in there. But that's kind of where I feel like a little wishy-washy about it, too. Mm. And the wide receiver that I was trying to... figure out the name of that's Kendall Wright see how irrelevant gosh I uh, say from the ta- from the Titans right? yeah right and so I mean he's there's stable guys there are names there are names that you recognize on this Bears but, roster and the wide receiver crew but ugh, like, I say right no, he, he's on our team for a reason yeah because he didn't live up to what he was but, supposed to hey be. you know maybe he reclamation project a, re- a repertoire with with Glennon and you mentioned a lot of uh good stuff there and speaking of Kevin White he's a guy that and eventually we're going to get to in guys that have to step up this offseason he hasn't played in two years. He's a first-round draft pick. Pretty He's much. He's got to stay on the field, and this is really a big year for White to develop, and for Pace's sake, I hope he does. But there's a lot of opportunity going on with this Bears offense because there are guys who are fighting for opportunity, right? Yeah. And maybe this is the best-case scenario for a team that really doesn't have any expectations going into next season, and you have a lot of guys fighting for their jobs, and maybe some step up. You mentioned Cam Meredith. He stepped up a Huge last season yeah. as a as a go to guy uh, in terms of the wide receiver core and and back to Trubisky Trubisky as the third I mean look you have Mark Sanchez there he's a guy who works really well I mean you talked about his value with Dak Prescott last year he works really yeah, well yeah. as a backup quarterback he understands the game well and honestly he he never has been awful downright you know I think a lot of it was he had that early success on the Jets that built him up and we. A lot of us knew that that was. He had a strong arm, but a lot of us knew that was the defense carrying him and him playing a conservative game based around that run game and short passing. That's let's be honest, the Bears aren't going to blow anybody out with their passing game anytime soon. So I think him as a stable uh, veteran on the bench and holding the clipboard. Yeah, I'm happy with that. It's a smart sign, absolutely. And Mark Sanchez is smart with the X's and O's, and you know it's very valuable to have a guy that you can sit next to as a starting quarterback. And be like, all right, what did you see? Because I, I didn't see this. And you go over it and you learn. And that's really what... Uh, and he's got years of experience absolutely, doing Absolutely, absolutely. So that's a valuable signing. I like it with Mark Sanchez. But back to the Trubisky thing, and we'll move on now to our next conversation regarding the Bears. And that's his relationship with Dowell Loggins. And last season, the first four weeks, Dave, that was awful in terms of <laughs> game management. I mean, you would have Jordan Howard or Jeremy Langford run for so many yards early, and this even goes further into the season, maybe eight games deep. 
and they wouldn't they wouldn't feed him the ball. He would run 17 times in a game in which he should have had at least 10 more carries. Absolutely. And then they laid it on whoever was starting, whether it was Brian Hoyer, Jay Cutler for a time. It just it was or oh my gosh, it was awful. <laughs> Barkley bad. So it's it's Dowell Loggins' second season. Uh, was there anything that you took away from last year that? would convince you that Loggins could have a good season this year? Honestly, and you, you talked a little smack about it, my boy, but uh, Barkle's over there. Bad. I love him. Bad. I think we got to see some fun at the end of the season, and I, I can't tell if this was uh, Dow Loggins just saying, like, you know, boys will be boys and let him go out there and play, or if this was his offensive scheme, but I did see a little bit of hope towards the end of the year. I think he finally, someone like smacked up behind his head. And what you do realize that Jordan Howard is like the second best running back in the NFL right now, right? Maybe we should give him the ball some more. Just just tossing it out there for you. And, and honestly, it was kind of sad that it took that long to get to him because, like you said, it was it would be like we established a run game in the first half. Second half comes. And we get a whole lot of passing, 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 three and outs, and, and we're not able to move the ball. And then it's like fourth quarter hits, it panic time sets in, and all of a sudden our offense starts to move again. So I, I think we saw it in spurts out of Loggins. I still don't think he's my guy. I don't like him going forward as a long-term solution to help develop a quarterback in Trubisky. But I, I think if we're going to make a switch and, and do that, it's going to be at the end of this year if he can't prove himself. Mm-hmm. This This is the, like... Show right. me why we should let you mold our quarterback of the future year. Yeah, if he can't do that, with if yeah. he can't put out a successful game plan with the weapons we have on the field and with Mike Glennon out there, then there's no way I want him tainting anything to do with Mitch Trubisky. Sure. And that kind of goes back to um, really his role in this offense. Was I believe he was a quarterback's coach with Adam Gase. Initially, yes. Yeah, and then uh, took over the role, and really John Fox said, hey, you know, our offense isn't going to change that much. Well, it changed a lot, actually. It wasn't really that similar to Adam Gase. I guess the philosophy was somewhat the same, right, because intermediate throws are what you're throwing to, but, I mean, ugh, it wasn't, it wasn't, the flow wasn't there, not a lot of continuity on the offense. I mean, it got better later on in the season, but when you have Matt Barkley at the helm, you're yeah. not going to see a lot of production. So, I mean, it it is what it is at that point, but you mentioned it. I'm not really convinced that Dow Loggins is the guy to mm-hmm. develop a quarterback, but I don't know because I haven't seen enough of him, and this is really his first test in Trubisky. John Fox isn't going to develop a quarterback. He never has no. in his career, no. and that's not going to happen. And he, by the way, is probably on the hot seat going into this season, and that I mean, if you don't see any progression or there's similar storylines as the Bears suffered from last year, and there's regression, mm-hmm. steps backwards. I mean, if I we would, somehow are worse than last that's year. That's not going to happen. There's no way. <laughs> there's absolutely no way, unless the whole team gets hurt. But, you know, John Fox, like I said, it's, he's, he's going to be under the microscope yep. this season for sure on his third year in the four-year contract that he signed. But really, Dow Loggins and Mitch Trubisky, how is he going to get along? And I, I've been reading a little bit in the Sun-Times that Trubisky, you know, he's a fast learner, mm-hmm. and I think that's why the Bears are really excited about him. I also read that... Uh, Ryan Pace, and this was why it was kept under wraps for so long during the draft process. Ryan Pace sent his two best scouts out to watch a pro day or a workout from Trubisky, and it was like one of the first days in the offseason draft process, and they fell in love with him immediately. They mm-hmm. came back to Pace, and we're like, this is our guy. we got to get him. He says, okay, that's it, and that was it. There was no leaks. They didn't talk to the press at all about him. Yeah. And they, didn't, they didn't even have a conversation with Trubisky because they didn't want the idea that, well, if we're interested, we don't want it to get leaked for other teams. And then the Bears pounced on draft day. So I give kudos to Ryan Pace in that attempt because really, as a Chicago Bears fan, 
And for those who have been fans for so many years, this franchise has never done something like this ever before. So the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot riding on this Trubisky pick. And if you're going to hand it over to Dow Loggins, I don't know how I feel about that. I completely agree with you. And the, the biggest concern like overall is how this Bears team will continue to you know evolve and move forward with dialogins as the head co- or as the offensive coordinator and John Fox is the head coach. And, you know, it almost feels like a kick, you know, looking back at me like maybe we should have just gave the reins to Gase and, and hope that he would have uh, done well with it because I'm watching what's going down in Miami. And being oh, like, he, he was he's the right yeah. choice. He's the right choice. But, yeah. you know, hindsight obviously is 2020. <laughs> of and course. The, going into it, the Bears had an idea with John Fox. Obviously, we're building a franchise. You want an established veteran guy to turn that awful, awful excuse for a franchise mm-hmm. that was the Chicago Bears after 2014 into something relevant. And they're getting there, right? right? It's starting to take shape. This was a very ballsy draft from Ryan Pace. No, so, I, th- I think he's putting a lot of his own credibility on the line, too, because absolutely. we've seen horrible drafts from the Bears in the past. And you know, We've talked about it. I, I can't remember if it's on this show or on Fast Break or what. Any show. Yeah, we MVP. talked about it. Only but one. That's Kyle yeah. Long. He was the only one left. One guy from 2011 from to 2013. Past drafts. And it's just incredibly Bad. disappointing. Awful. And, and that kind of explains the whole situation of the Bears in like one simple sentence is Bears can't draft. Therefore, the Bears won't win games. Right. And that's it. And that's what it is. You know, you see teams built through the draft. I mean, Seattle's the prime example. When they went to back-to-back Super Bowls, it was draft picks carrying them on the defensive end yep. to, to get them there. But and Atlanta do, did the same thing this past year. They've continued to build up that defense, add speed, add quickness. Offensively, they made that big play to go get Julio Jones years back and watch how much that has paid off for them. So I think the Bears were kind of like, this is our all-in move. And we better get returns on this or else we're all going to be looking for jobs. So many people had negative grades on Mitch Trubisky. Like, it was just a bombardment of bad reviews on Ryan Pace's draft pick to take Trubisky there. And, I mean, it had it had its domino effects because in round two they had to trade back to get more picks or else they would have been really screwed throughout the entire draft because they needed to fill yep. so many roles. And, you know, the, the pick that was acquired in the second round ended up being Buda Baker, safety that was on the Bears' radar for sure. So now when you look at the Bears' roster, and one more final thought on Trubisky before we move on, is that he's a quick learner, like I said, and he's picking it up. I know it's only rookie minicamp right now, but... He's not making the same mistakes twice, and that was being uh, that was being written in the Sun Times. I think it was Adam Jans or Adam Johns. Yeah, you know, if, if he's a big fan of the show, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Of course, of course. Right? By the way, shout out Sean Anderson. He's uh, his voice is popular. Yeah, <laughs> the Philadelphia Seventy yeah. Sixers video. Anyway, uh, so I mean, with, you feel good more and more uh, about the Trubisky pick as time progresses, but we're not going to know for another two to three seasons potentially. Absolutely. So anyway, moving on. Now I mentioned uh, about the uh, certain. Situations now, specifically on a defensive end, I think we're looking at because offensively it's still a work in progress. Guys pretty much solidified in their position. The offensive line's pretty much set. The offense, uh, the running back set, wide receiver core, they're just a bunch of guys and they're going to be out there. Defensively, <laughs> it's boy, there is a lot there. And I'm going to throw it out to you first, Dave. Sure. Who is going to step up or who needs to step up? We already mentioned Kevin White. You can throw that in there if you want to. But who needs to step up this offseason for the Chicago Bears? Honestly, the easiest one is the guy who took us took the majority of last season off, and that's Fuller. Like honestly, he took all of last season off. It, it, all was, of it. it was what should have been a standard three months out for a knee scope, and it turned into, nah, I don't feel like coming back. 
And honestly, it kind of gives you a little pause for concern. It's exactly. like, yeah, your team's not doing great, but unless there's something that he's not saying happened with the complications around that, then there's no excuse why you should have missed an entire season for a procedure that simple. I think Kyle Fuller's my guy, too. Uh, just he's the first name that jumps out to me. Well, that's, that's the secondary is our biggest weak point yeah. as, as the Bears defense goes. So having someone who we saw glimpses of high level production, someone who we could hope to be our number one corner and who we bet on being our number one corner, you know, just no show an entire season for what shouldn't have been a season ending injury. First round draft pick, I believe 10 or 11. He was picked or 12. It was something pretty high uh, <laughs> in, in that draft. And my goodness, he, in his rookie season, did well, right? We, yeah. we were excited about, I know I was, about Kyle Fuller, and then he disappeared. I think it was like four picks and three fumbles. I mean, he he really was all over the place, and that's what gave us the confidence to move forward. But if if he's not going to be on the field, and if he's now possibly you know rubbing people the wrong way and, and not showing the effort he should. Like a cut, because there's a lot of guys right now on this roster that I'm looking at that could yeah. fill that role. Quite easily. Now, DeAndre Hall, a guy who saw some time last season, he was a fourth-round draft pick of Ryan Pace. I'm sure they're going to run with him for a while. Deion Bush was a healthy scratch for so many years. I'm excited for him. I mean, he's. I, I want to see something from him because when they drafted him, if you're going to put this much stock, because they took three defensive players there in the fourth round. And, yep. boy, oh, last last year, Kwiatkowski's a backup. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Hall like him. could become something. And Deion Bush was nothing last season. They signed Prince of Mukamara. They picked up Marcus Cooper. So, so we at least have guys who can cover at the NFL level. Right. There's competition there. Yep. And there's depth there. And I talked about it last week on Behind the Pen. Thank you guys for listening. As always, love the feedback. They have depth. And that's what the Bears haven't had in years, especially in the secondary. To start the season, at least. Right. Now we have it. So we're looking at their secondary and also speaking of guys that need to step up, but Quentin Demps and Adrian Amos are assumedly that assumedly is that a word? Yeah, we're we'll going to assume that those two players are the guys back there in the safety spot. That's another position the Bears haven't filled really since Mike Brown. No. David Archuleta no. or Adam oh, Archuleta? Adam Archuleta oh, from David Arch- No, no, no. We're moving on. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of bad in the history of that. But you know that secondary is something of concern for me, Dave. No, I think that's there. There's no. They haven't given us a reason yet to not worry about it, and that's the problem. You know, we we saw a lot of guys step up last year due to injuries and due to lack of other options out Craven there. Craven LeBlanc. Craven LeBlanc. I mean, he was an interesting uh, player, and the thing that kills me is like you can tell the uh, these younger draft picks, these these uh, free agents come in and they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're 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 going you know balls to the walls trying to make the spot in this roster, but you just see it in some of them like. Yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah. You're, you're nickel at best, right? Because of your speed, your ability to cover the whole field. But you're you're not our, you know, you're not our slot sure. corner. You're not our outside man to go one on one. Yeah, and so, I don't. Yeah, I don't think the Bears have a well. Tracy Porter was pretty good at covering Tracy, his man. Tracy Porter was interesting because well, he could go one on one with you for a little bit. He he had some physicality to him. I he just didn't felt have the like, speed. He couldn't cover deep. Yes, exactly. And when it came to tackling. He'd, he'd more often than not try to go for a forced fumble rather than go for a surefire tackle or do something in between the two. Right. So, I mean... But he was a nice safety cushion. He's gone yeah. now. So, I mean, we appreciate Tracy no, Porter's contribution. Everything we got from he was a pretty, yeah. pretty solid cornerback over there over the last two seasons with the Bears, especially in his first year. So, credit him. Uh, so, yeah, th- there's a lot of competition in the but secondary. No, I, I and you think, mentioned it, Dave. Uh, yeah. You mentioned it. They, uh, the, the Vic Fangio style of defense kind of requires, and he values... Uh, really, all of these players... Go back to how 
Vic Fangio values their efforts, I guess, in what they bring to the table, right? Because you talk about all the nickel packages that the Bears run. They mm-hmm. don't really send guys on the blitz. No. They like to play underneath, and they like to play conservative style of defense. Exactly. And we saw Sherrick McManus. Hey, oh boy, bad, bad, <laughs> not good. He cannot play in the secondary. He's a great special teams guy, but you know he was involved because he could sort of play the nickel. We had uh, Bryce Callahan step up. He's turning into a nice cover corner. Cravon LeBlanc's another guy. So there are a lot of different variables. Lots of names, but we don't have yeah. anybody pinned down yet. Yet. And, and that's we got time. It goes back it, though yeah. to this draft. We were like, okay, well, Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, <laughs> oh, we have man, guys, I Solomon Thomas. We have guys there, guaranteed studs, and they go for Trubisky. So hey, jury's out on Ryan chips Pace. are in. But uh, no, I, I think the other thing you brought up, you know, due to the conservative scheme for this defense, someone who we kind of expected to see. I think a lot of us expect to see a little bit more out of Leonard Floyd this past year. Uh, and I, I still think he's going to be a very good player. I think what I saw out of him was enough. He had a he had like one really great stand-up performance, a couple good games mixed in. But, you know, again, injury and time mm-hmm. off the field. But He was, was paralyzed, my goodness. Jesus. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that, that was incredible. Against New York, yeah. Uh, but no, I think that, honestly, like, I, I could see him stepping up and... I know that they don't draw up a ton of blitz packages, but I think that if they start working him into those heavy blitz situations, I think he's proven himself enough in that first year that he could be our go-to guy moving forward. I am excited about Leonard Floyd, and I'm excited about this front seven. They are starting to build something serious. Hopefully Danny Trevathan can get back healthy. Pernell McPhee hopefully can come back and have a full season where he's healthy. That guy's a beast. So we don't really have to... Well, we we broke down the Bears a lot, so we don't (laughs) want to continue going into it because there's much more offseason left. And here on Behind the Pen, you know I'm going to talk Chicago Bears football the rest of the way. So we're going to end the conversation right there. Loved all of it, uh, especially really the the uh, quarterback conversation because I can always go for the Trubisky. So let me know what you think down below. Send us some feedback here on mostvaluablepodcast.com. We appreciate you listening. Stay tuned if you're on YouTube. Go check out our next segment. It's going to be Chicago Bulls. And let's start our Chicago Bulls conversation, Dave, because, well, last week I talked about Gar Foreman, John Paxson. They had, a, they had their press conference. Same old nonsense, nothing new. Pretty much we expect it to be the same kind of philosophy going into next season, which makes me want to pull my hair out. Bulls eliminated in the first round, 41-41. and The eighth seed in the playoff. The plan's working, Dave. The plan is working. That means nothing nothing needs to be changed. (laughs) I mean, we we just need to keep running, let it run its course. We continue to uh, go sign people over the age. Isaiah Cannon. uh, Oh, my God. He's not a point guard. I just, I mean. I mean, guarded Isaiah Thomas pretty okay. Yeah, sure. Let's let's say that. Let, go ahead and say it. But honestly, the, the biggest thing with this team is like we're looking at Dwayne Wade, who's going to come back probably. Most likely. Because of that $24 million we're going to give him. I don't know any other team in the league who would, you know, give him anywhere near that much money after watching him play this past year. And let's year. be honest, he's not going to go anywhere to chase a ring, right? He's just going to no, be comfortable. If he did, if he did, it would be to the Cavs. And I think that the, the one thing that gives hope there is like, say the Cavs don't win the championship this year because of the super team in the West with the, with the uh, Warriors, you know, he might be inclined to take a lower-cost deal to go play with his buddy LeBron. That's the only team, team though. I'm not talking, I'm, I, the first team that really came to mind was Milwaukee because they were interested last season, but I wouldn't expect him to ditch Chicago no, for Milwaukee. No, that's, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, but. so I think the Cavs, yeah. Yeah, and, and so you start going through the other, you know, not so great contracts the Bulls are stuck with, and it's really 
uh, just comes down to the question of, okay, everybody else is fairly reasonable outside of him, which is great news. We end up with Rondo with an option for this coming year who playoff Rondo, I think the entire city fell in love with. I mean, those two games were the best two games of the year for Chicago. Like everybody kind of pulled together. I was like, are we, are we really doing this are in we, Boston? Are too. we taking it to Boston in Boston, the number one seed? And we just you know backed our way into the playoffs off of a hot run to the end of the season. Like it was awesome. And someone who went from a supposed locker room cancer to became, you know, the, the hero to all of the younger players and kind of sadly put Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade back in their place when they uh, started calling people out publicly. Like, I think he earned a lot of respect in Chicago. So I think we are going to end up seeing him again this next year. But after that, what what do you got? I mean, what really? You have Jimmy Butler and question marks. Right. And, you know, this conversation started with just a quick little breakdown of where the Chicago Bulls stand in terms of their roster. We want to get into the nitty gritty in terms of what they want to do in terms of this offseason, how they want to approach free agency and how they want to approach this draft, because something has to change. Their last five draft picks, Dave, have been garbage. Bad, bad, bad. Tony Snell, Bobby Portis. I don't know what's going on with Bobby Portis. Um, oh, and this brings up an idea. Uh, Bobby Portis, though, <laughs> we can talk about him because yep. I think he's a little bit more valuable in terms of what they have, and it's not by much. You know, giving credit to Bobby Portis is hard to do because, you know, with his frame and his skill set, he should be better. But he gets hot occasionally. He, with you shot. know, he shows a little bit of this and that sometimes. He, he very much reminded me of uh, it, it was kind of like him and Miritich were trading off, you know, who gets to actually play with skill tonight. Yeah, but Miritich is terrible. Still, both of them <laughs> That's ended what up I wanted with, to ask you about. Both of them ended up with a with good shooting performances for kind the last of, month of the maybe. year. I don't know. But and they <laughs> traded. It. I want to ask you this. Is Nikola Miritich coming back to the Bulls and should they should they run with him oh, god because no. i don't think there's any let someone really, else pay really him. any value with nikola miritich i don't see it let let someone he's else he's had pay his opportunities yep. dave and what is this his third full season fourth season with the bulls i believe yeah cuz his rfa is coming up so three full three full seasons and you know in his second year he slumped hard his his first year with the bulls he had a really great uh, performance i believe it was in march and then in the mm-hmm. playoffs he stepped up big time as well and we were like hey Miritich, he's like Andres Nozioni, kind of, you know, yeah. just because he's foreign and he shoots and he's white. So <laughs> that's, awful. that's the only comparison I have in terms of that. But Miritich kind of brings a little something, something for you in terms of the Bulls because they have no shooters. You well, expect yeah, him to be a, you know, stretch forward. Yep. But, you know, it hasn't really panned out for him because he's been super inconsistent, a liability on the defensive end. I don't know what they can do with him. No, I, you let him walk. Some other team will pay him money. And I don't think there's any question that. Uh, a stretch four uh, has inherent value in today's NBA. The fact that he's not consistent is something that teams will pay it for regardless because he has shown that when he gets hot, he can knock down threes at a very decent rate. It's just a matter of like, how does he need to find his groove? Is it because the system in Chicago wasn't really uh, you know, the most helpful thing for three-point shooters? Did it really benefit them much? Not not too much. We didn't really play around the three ball. That wasn't Hoiberg's game with this team. And I think that I could see him actually kind of flourish in another system with another team. It's just that the other downside to him is his defensive ability. And on the pick and roll, he is just free money. Anyone can take him to town. It's not even... I, I want to say he tries, but he's just so slow mm-hmm. off the off the picks. And it's just... One of those things where I don't know what kind of value the Bulls would pay him because we'll toss out an offer, I'm sure, just 
you know, politeness. I'm something along those lines. Like, yeah, there, well, there's they some cut, value cut, They cut Heinrich for nothing twice, and they oh traded him for no reason. So maybe not. Maybe so not. probably not. I mean, Captain yeah. Kirk, he's my guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so here's a couple things that I want to see the Chicago Bulls do a little differently. And this is what Gar Foreman said in his press conference that, well, I don't know if he said this in his press conference, but he did say it to somebody, and, mm-hmm. it, got, and it got mentioned in the mainstream media, is Denzel Valentine is going to have more of a role oh, in the Chicago Bears year? offense. For, for, for the I Chicago just said, Bulls? I just said Chicago Bears offense. In the Chicago Bulls <laughs> offense, I'm still in Bears mode. No, but Denzel Valentine has to play more. Yeah, uh, that was one of the biggest question marks because this team throughout the year, it was a poor balancing act between veterans and rookies who Where were supposed to be the growing consistency? the future. consistency? You're talking, okay, listen, okay, wh- <laughs> oh my gosh, this is what makes me crazy as a Bulls fan because Gar Foreman's like, hey, uh, my boy, uh, Foreman, or I'm sorry, Hoiberg, hey, uh, we want to compete, right? So play the best lineup. Make sure that these guys are winning ball games. However, you have to continue to, to develop these young players who suck and make sure they get enough minutes. Oh, and at the same time, you have to keep your veterans happy. So it's like, okay, how are you supposed to do all you're, you're that? You're spinning through plays and you can't keep them all time. up. At the same And this Bulls team wasn't good enough to compete. To begin with, they were barely good enough to make the playoffs in a, in a well, I shouldn't say a weak East. I think the East, the the East. The, the East <laughs> has been you know improved over the last couple of seasons. But still, 41-41 and 41 with the roster that they had. I mean, I expected them to be a little bit better than this. But you have inconsistencies in the rotation and that starts really at the front office and it, it just comes all the way down and you know Hoiberg got thrown under the bus a little bit it was his opportunity to I mean put in different lineups every we saw freaking Anthony Morrow on the floor <sighs> in a must win playoff yeah. game with guys who he hasn't played with all season long so I mean that's just one of many concerns that you have with the Chicago Bulls and Hoiberg I don't know is he on the hot seat I mean that's just something real quick I don't know if he is I don't know if he isn't but it's just one I'd of those things I mean I, I don't know if he's a good NBA coach he's probably not he doesn't have really but control to be over, fair we yeah. haven't really given him anything to work with but we say that all the time yep we say that. When is it going he to need, end? The, the answer is you need to adapt. And just because what you got, he got hired because he was successful in college and the scheme he ran in college, right. he wasn't able to run here. So guess what? You have to be, a, you know, forward thinking, go, all right, with the talent I have, what system can I run? And he didn't yep. really adapt well and he didn't adapt quickly. And to be honest, he didn't have a great roster to adapt to because when you're dealing with, when your best point guard is a guy you benched. Partially through the season as a coach's DNP. For a while. It doesn't make any sense. You know, just to kind of get him to you know, give it your all again. Uh, meanwhile, we're hoping on what? Uh, MCW, bad. Campaign, Jerry Grant, and Isaiah Cannon. Bad, bad, bad. Like, bad. we had five point guards on the roster. Awful. They we were had all one. terrible. We had one. I mean, it's... I think that roster needs a rebalancing. Yeah. And, and, they, and to put that simply, yeah. there, there's no quick and easy way to do it. But if there is hope for the future, it's that maybe we landed a steal in the second round with a Paul Zipser. Maybe we can continue to develop him and see him go forward. Uh, Christian Felicio is a great bench player, good energy, and and is solid. And we have Robin Lopez under contract for several years in the future on a very reasonable rate with the new uh, uh, contract rate going this point. Yeah, and you need need consistency. And when it comes in your eight, you want to look at your eight, right? You're starting five, and then the yep. three coming off the bench. And typically, it's a big man, a forward slash shooter on the perimeter, and then your backup point. And what do the Correct. Bulls have? 
None of really nothing. I mean, Felicio, well, no. you mentioned is I there. Think, I think Felicio is going to be the the bench big, and then and it's I either think... Miritich or Portis. Yep. Which neither neither of us are happy about either. Of those yeah, guys. Yeah. No. And then the they have five different point guards. Plus, they want to throw in Valentine as well as a, as a possible point guard, of course, who, who can stretch the floor. But it's just it's just you know. All right. So let's go into it a little bit. I know we were rambling a bit, but we had to because can't help it. It's the Bulls, and they make us pissed off. <laughs> right now, I'm looking at uh, Bleacher Reports because the lottery was yesterday, right? Uh, the the draft lottery was two days ago. Two days ago, and they yep. like determined the order and everything. Correct. Okay, so right now I'm looking at a Bleacher Report article that has the Bulls at 16 and taking Justin Patton to Creighton Center. Um, how do you feel about that? Just as a mock, just real quick. Uh, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I think we need to. The, the problem is that there's such a drop off at point guard after you run through the initial couple after Fultz, Ball, um, Frank, and Jackson. Uh, no, 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 please. No, you're not Ricky. Don't do this. to me. Oh, okay. But after, after the first five guards yeah, yeah. off the board, it really kind of there, there's a large, large gap between the next one. So we, we won't get a point guard with that first pick. But what we could get is a valuable shooter. Uh, that's why I don't want to go with Pat and I don't want to go with a center. I would rather find myself a dangerous shooter from the outside or someone with that upside to grow into uh, a tweener or a wing like mm-hmm. i feel like we need a wing so badly oh yeah and it's kind of it's bad because we still you know i just i keep looking back at uh miritich and porous and going no 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 that's not gonna <laughs> cut it zipster's nice zipster's nice though we got that going for us but i i kind of expect we're gonna be stuck with jimmy at the three again until Dwayne Wade leaves so one way or the other it's gonna be an interesting draft for us because the the there's just such a problem with the way it's balanced out. So unless we end up like drafting stash or we're gonna take the bait on somebody who we don't really have a fit for, and that's my concern is yeah. we're gonna get if if we go with Patton like they suggest, I don't see the fit for him right away. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna be an impact player. I know it's harder to get impact players once you're outside the lottery, but 16's not that far back. Come sure, on. and you know what? He as a freshman going into the uh, NBA draft uh it would be the first time in uh a while i would have to say that the bulls would commit to somebody who hasn't been a multi-year college player and that's really been the mold that gar foreman and john paxson have been approaching to the draft since they've been running things at their helm and you know what the thing is about that it's starting to change in the nba where you want to get more athletic they talked about it like oh we're gonna get more and mm-hmm. you, get, you get rondo and all these guys then valentine who's not really athletic a four-year college guy so it's changing and do you want to take a chance on a younger player and i think that's something that the bulls have to take into consideration and vincent goodwill who does a great job covering the bulls for comcast sportsnet directly ask our foreman that question and of course he's going to dance around it he's going to say oh we are scarring department we're going to do what we can and we're going to take the best player that we believe can fit course, our system of course. all right well mr politician look at all the players on your roster right now it's uh, they're absolutely garbage they're, i just don't understand <laughs> i i don't understand the approach anymore coming from this an office and how they still have any sort of credibility in building a roster because it's just a bunch of bad. Well, they don't. It, yeah, it's they, they grabbed a bunch of puzzle pieces, slapped them on the table, and like took a piece of duct tape and like boom, yes. finished puzzle. And they said, "Hey, Coach Fred Oyber, this is your second year as a professional NBA coach. Yeah, go do this." It, as far this. as team building, they're, they're not so great. So that's why I would rather see them take a shot at someone like a Justin Jackson. 
you know, he is a little bit older, but he brings that three and D potential. He brings something to this team. That, talk about uh, North Carolina. Correct. Yeah. Uh, hey, he, he, I watched him play in the tournament, and not I was like, that looks like a guy. That looks like a Bulls player. That's all I'm saying. Not not the most likable guy all the time. Not the quickest guy necessarily, but he's got the right size for the game. He's got a good yeah. shot that he's developed over a couple of years. And honestly, I think that either he or like Draft Express has like Canard going to us. Uh, excellent shooter out of Duke. Mm-hmm. Either way, like I- I'm just looking for you, scoring. Yeah. This team they need desperately it. lacking scoring. A three and D would be ideal, but I would take Kennard as a scorer off the bench. Either way, I, I just see this Bulls team. It- it's going to be this is a starting point. This draft is a starting point. Boy. This is not going to fix our problems. We're going to need to make some more moves. Maybe, maybe during the draft, maybe before the I draft. I mean, Jimmy's uh, probably going to be on the table, or at least a part of the conversation. We have yeah. to assume that we have to, and also that the Bulls right now, in their situation, I agree with you. I think they need to get a scorer, especially behind the arc. That's the game today. Yeah, they, they have Bring to be the able, modern NBA. They have to be able to shoot and they have to be able to score. But yeah, man, oh boy, this Bulls conversation—it's always getting me heated. Because whenever <laughs> we talk about the Bulls, it always—you know—I just I'm sitting there. I'm like, why am I still a Bulls fan? But here we are, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, we're gonna end the conversation there. Chicago Bulls, drop a like and a comment down below if you could. If you're on YouTube, we're gonna move on now to our final conversation. Dave Oster, you've been the man for coming on to uh, behind the pen this week to talk Bears and Bulls. We're gonna move on to Major League Baseball conversation because it's already May 18th. It kind of snuck up on us. The season's been going on for a while. Seriously, you know, it's uh, about 40 games in now. And once this podcast is posted, I assume that, well, more games will be played. I think that's how the world works (laughs) as days go by and games played. But I just wanted to have the conversation with you a little bit. We're going to take some time now to discuss some surprises in Major League Baseball. And I'd like to throw it out to you first. Who's your biggest surprise so far uh, about 40 games in? Sure. Uh, my biggest surprise is the Yankees. I, For those of you who know me from the fast break, I'm a fan of the rebuild. I'm a fan of the process. I'm a fan of bringing in young talent to turn over a roster. And what the Yankees have done, and in a time frame they've done it, is shocking. They, they were a team who kind of went all in on young guys, and these young guys are absolutely crushing the ball for them. Honestly, did you did you see them coming up and putting down as many wins as they have this season? Well, like, yeah, no, I, I think that in today's Major League Baseball, you expect kind of uh, this transition to happen with teams trying to rebuild. You, you rely on the young players, you really rely on the draft, and suddenly, and this is the case for the Yankees, if you have quality young players... They can make an impact for you immediately, and that's what we're seeing with this Yankees lineup. I mean, Aaron Judge is third in Major League Baseball in terms of war. The ball. I mean, he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. Fourteen that, home runs already. I mean, he's got a one-one-two-nine OPS. I mean, this guy's unreal. Yeah. And yeah. when you're looking at the major, and I, I think the Yankees are, are a very good example. I mean, they have doesn't hurt that he's built like a truck. He's like six eight, and you know. Just shy of yeah, must three be hundo. Nice. Absolutely, must be nice. But when you're looking, <laughs> like I said, in the modern day NBA, you, or NBA, I'm still talking about the previous One segments. Day. Yeah, we're looking though, this Yankees team, you talked about it. I mean, they made a move last year at the deadline. They did it right. They traded Andrew Miller and they got Chapman. And then they mm-hmm. re-signed Chapman this offseason. And they were Come able on, to- what a rental that right? was. Right? Well, it's World a win-win winner. rental. Right, absolutely. Chapman got his ring. The Yankees got Clint Frazier and Glyber Torres and the two deals that they were able to make along with some other quality prospects. And when you look at it right now, Starlin Castro's killing it. We don't want to spend too much time on the Yankees right now, but they have Gary Sanchez, who's just, you know, a guy who 
uh, has, last year was crushing the ball, and of course Aaron Hicks and um, and Aaron Judge. Guys, it's just it's that's that's definitely the team that I would start with and for sure. Honestly, the, kind of one of the things that gets me is like the unspoken guy of uh, Gardner because he's been around forever for this team, and he was always that guy who was like he's like a C plus guy. He's right. not going to be the guy who stands out and leads this team, but he's always there. He's always consistent, and he's always doing his job. And I think there's a lot to be said for his consistency and helping this team transition from where they were mm-hmm. like eight years ago to where they are now and making sure that there was never like a dip off in the clubhouse, making sure that the the standards were kind of known throughout. I'm looking at the Colorado Rockies now because going in, we knew that this team was going to have a pretty dangerous lineup. I mean, from third to first, you have Arenado, uh, Trevor Story, DJ LeMahieu, and Mark Reynolds. I mean, that's power. And plus Ian Desmond, if he's uh, when he's healthy, Trevor Story hurt now. However, when you look at that lineup from just strictly in the infield, and then you go from left to right, Para Blackman and, and Carlos Gonzalez, I mean, you kidding me? This is quality across the board, one through nine, and you know it doesn't hurt that you know you're playing Colorado, right? And the ball and everything's going to be exaggerated. Numbers are going to be exaggerated. Nolan Arenado, potential MVP candidate, and then you really that was that was it, right? That was one of the reasons why Colorado could be among the teams in the conversation, at least being competitive this year. And then all of a sudden, you have guys stepping up in the rotation, and something that the Rockies haven't seen really in years. In their starting rotation, say their having, last stud has been so long ago too. Yeah, I mean, I really, I'm probably missing. That's what somebody, Jorge De La Rosa honestly comes up to mind, <laughs> and that was really, I mean, he, I'm probably missing someone, but that's yeah, the one guy that's that sticks more recent, out to yeah. me. Tyler Chadwick, Tyler Anderson, they did the, the Tyler guys, you know. Um, starting off a little slow, but they're quality pieces. Uh, Sensatella, this guy has been unreal to start the season. Antonio Sensatella, a 22-year-old pitcher, has really been quality for for the Rockies. And you know what? They suffered Chad Bettis, who uh, unfortunately is dealing with cancer. Yeah, My goodness. And that's, and that's something that's terrible. It's awful. But this Rockies team right now is pretty competitive. They're, they're among, uh, they're actually in first place there in the National League West. And honestly, the thing that kind of holds it all together is the fact that they're doing it on both sides. You know, you see Colorado and everybody, like, to a lot of average MLB fans, it's Colorado up, they're going to crush the ball because the altitude. They've always been a hitting team, and like you said, the pitching has really balanced out this year, and honestly, the biggest thing that I see on this pitching staff is the fact that they've got a reliable closer, and the value of a reliable closer in today's MLB, hmm, you, you know what it is because it won you a World Series. Right, and the, and the you know, you're talking about the Cubs. They made an effort to go get a closer in Wade Davis to replace Chapman, and so far it's been working. Though the Cubs, by the way, since you brought them up, have been kind of underwhelming. But you know, they just came off a sweep against the Cincinnati Reds, who have actually impressed many this season. I mean, they got some they got some quality pieces working there. Still a just young a team. Eugenio Suarez is one, and you know he's one quality. Uh, I think he's one of like the top 15 players in WAR too. To his credit, so that's good uh, for the Reds. I don't really like the Reds. I'm just saying. But the Cubs, right, right now, I think the biggest concern has to rely on their starting pitching. They don't have a fifth starter. They're throwing out Eddie Butler now. Uh, Jake Arrieta is having velocity issues. He's given up eight home runs this year, seven of which have come off of an off-speed pitch that he threw. So that's something to concern. His velocity is down, and he's on the last year of his contract. 
Um, also, John Lackey's on his last year of his contract. Yeah, so you've got a team who was at the top of their game last year. You're getting a little bit of a struggle from the pitching staff. Two games staff. over 500 right now. And honestly, have they hit the pack? They're not quite hitting the pack button now. There's still plenty of time this season. But if you don't see some progression out of the pitching staff, getting back to where they should be, I can see them being one of the biggest movers in this uh, trade deadline. They're going to try to bring in some better pitching. Yeah, down, they're going to be involved. Fill for out sure. the back of that, uh, you know, three, four, five, if possible. And I still think that they've just got such a, a crazy young farm system built into this team that like they did the right way when they rebuilt. And I think they've got enough pieces to move that they're not going to sacrifice too much when it comes to getting themselves as another pitching uh, arm. So I think that they're going to move a name that I think right. it's hard to say, right. but like my odd man out right now is Schwarber. Um, but still, even if he's doing good for you, you're moving to yeah. DH. You've got plenty of guys in the outfield who are better, well-rounded players than he is. Especially he, he's defensively. Not, he's the yeah. second-worst defensive fielder in, in baseball Lord. right now. But, yeah, I mean, Schwarber was just a name. I'm not sure how serious his no, name is going to come up. No, but as the season goes absolutely. on, but don't, those you are, have to keep that in mind. Those are names, and you mentioned— People will get moved. Of course, and that's one of the things. When going into a rebuild, you have to— stockpile players and it was positional players that Epstein made a point in acquiring and that allows you to acquire pitching down the road you can sign them in free agency mm-hmm. you can acquire them through trade via the position players that you stockpiled so the Cubs will be okay I'm open I'm open I'm sweating yeah. over here yeah, it's right not, now it's, not, it's still early fine. you gotta keep they'll be fine I don't want to overreact this yeah so the Cubs are competitive obviously they're going to be a part of the conversation in the NL Central but going over to the American League Central and I want to look at the Minnesota Twins a little bit because they sort of had a similar situation as the Cubs trying to rebuild themselves through acquiring and putting a lot of stock in position players and high draft picks. I mean, Miguel Sano, Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, those guys come to mind immediately. Irvin Santana this season has been an ace that has allowed the Minnesota Twins to stay in contention in the American League uh, Central, excuse me, they're in first place right now, 19 and 17. Of course, it's very early, and we assume that the Twins are going to come back to earth, but they're worth mentioning. Yeah, no, it is, again, we're talking about surprises a quarter way into the season, and they are a surprise leading. That rotation, though. <laughs> Hector, Honestly, Hector well, Santiago, Phil Hughes, Jose Barrios, though, young, young pitcher with say, expectations. Like, it's one of those situations where nothing on their team outside of one player really stands out. No one on the team is even hitting over 300. It's a very interesting and timely hitting situation. Their games are very close usually. I think they're one of the, for a team that is over 500, they have one of the thinnest margins for their wins. So it's kind of interesting to see. They're always exciting to watch. Take that away for, you know, what it's worth. I think it's nice to see that the young players are finally starting to bruise for the Twins. Because, That's true. Boy, it, Twins fans sad. the last two years have had to watch some bad baseball. Uh, a yeah. couple more. Uh, I know I have another one. Do you have another one that you want to talk about a little bit? Ah, uh, you go with yours. Okay, because I'm going to start with uh, the Detroit, not the Detroit Tigers. I'm sorry, Tigers fans. <laughs> I, I teased you a little bit there. The Tampa Bay Rays, because I bring them up. Uh, I'm not sure how seriously they are uh, in terms of playoff contenders this season the American Leagues my gosh it is so competitive I mean the Blue Jays we expected to come into the season as legitimate playoff threats or possibly a wild card contender and they're in last place right now and with the Rays they play a role in this market this offseason because they have so much quality in terms of well pitchers right now that have value mm-hmm. and that they could get into as a small market team they could acquire you know pieces that could fit them later on down the road um 
But you, when you look at their rotation, and I, I mentioned the pitchers, it's Chris Archer and Jake Odorizzi. I think those two guys are among it, and Alex Cobb as well. Yeah. Uh, they could be a part of the conversation in, in trade talks. But no, you look I think at, Archer's the guy with the target on his back. Probably. If they, if they continue to uh, keep tallying up losses. And the thing is, they're, they're such a boom and bust team because they are the second best team at home runs and in the American League. They have 56 total right now. And it's such a crazy thing to think that a team that's positive in um, run differential and has that many home runs is under 500. It's like there's something not clicking there, right? Yeah, it's just that's the way baseball is sometimes. It's a funny game. It's, yep. it's a really funny game. But shout out Corey Dickerson. The guy's absolutely destroying the baseball this season. <laughs> I want to run through some uh, numbers a little bit, and then we can end this podcast because it's really uh, interesting to me now that we're about a month and a half, two months into the season, yeah. and we could actually look at tangible stats because in April, everybody says, hey, it's early. It's April. It's only yeah. April. Now we're getting you know into the nitty-gritty. June's coming up, and this is when it's starting to get serious. Teams are going to be really interested. Um, trade talks are going to start picking up, obviously, in July, the All-Star break, and then the trade deadline at the end of the month. Boy, it's starting to get fun, but I want to. Uh, all right, <laughs> all right, because it, you know, baseball obviously is starting to take a back seat to the higher impact sports, football and basketball. The pace of play obviously a concern. However, I think baseball is being saved by these young players in the game, guys who stand out. Corey Seager, one of the many. Chris Bryant, one of the many. But Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. I want to talk a little bit about those two because Mike Trout, modern day Mickey Mantle. You kidding me? He My, is it, it's just, everything. He is. He is. If you're going to build a baseball player, that's him. Yeah. No. No. I. There, there's not a not a single better, like all around player than him. And what's been crazy is it's been from the get go. He was one of those guys who came into the league so young, and we watched him succeed early on. And it was like, is this guy for real? No. 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 no he's he's going to come back to reality sooner or later. And he just keeps continuing to play at the top level every single year. Yeah. Debuted. In 2011, my goodness, he's been in the league for that long already. Yeah, uh, when he when he was 19, right? When he was 19. He, I mean, he played 40 games with the Angels, and they are they knew. And can you imagine the haul the Angels could get if they decide to trade him? Obviously, you're not going to. He's the best player in the history of the game. No, but so trying to put a value it. on that. Yeah, right. I mean, Jesus. it would probably if you if you want to talk about value in terms of uh, the Chicago Cubs. I mean, just because I'm more familiar with this team, it would probably start with Schwarber, uh, Baez, and maybe even. Eloy Jimenez, honestly, that just gets you a seat at the table, and that's how serious. I mean, that's probably not even enough. Yeah, that's probably no, not even. Done. Baez is probably going to be included in that one. That's just crazy. Yeah, no. crazy, crazy. Looking at Mike Trout's numbers, three forty-one with a one-one-nine-three OPS in one hundred and thirty-two at bats. That's nuts. It's incredible. Yeah, and the, the guy's insane. Eight stolen bases. He got thirteen home runs as well. He's leading uh, the Major League Baseball. In war at 2.9. Who's right behind him? It's Bryce Harper. He's got a war at 2.6. The guy's got a 1202 OPS. That guy's coming off a terrible season last year for yeah. his standards, and he is absolutely crushing the ball. 365 average. It's no, just, it's, it's, it's awesome it's so to see to some fight back. Like it's awesome to see some fight and some aggressiveness back on the field, not in the clubhouse, not in the bench area. You know, that was the thing with him. It was they got that frustration because they weren't succeeding early on last year. And you watch Bryce Harper kind of. I felt like he put it on his own shoulders, and he shouldn't have. And this year, it just seems like he's going out there, he's playing a little bit more carefree, and he's just killing the ball. And for Bryce Harper, a uh, few years ago, I think it was three years ago, the off season going into. Uh, two years ago, so I, I'm sorry if I jumbled it up there. But anyway, uh, he made it an effort to put on the pounds 
and add that fact to his game where, okay, we're going to rely on his power, and he crushed it. I'm going to look up his stats now in a second, but he, he was just murdering the ball. He had, I forget how many home runs that season. But um, speaking of players mm-hmm. that are having a comeback type of year, Dallas Keuchel, right, struggled last season, and now he's stepping up this year with a 184 ERA and .86 whip. Right in sixty-three and two-thirds innings for the Houston Tech, or Texans. My gosh, <laughs> I've been doing that all day here uh, behind the back. But it's the Astros, twenty-nine and twelve, off to a scorching hot start there in the American League West. We assumed that the Astros were going to be this good. Yeah, I think I in. think it's been the right on the wall. They were the trendy pick last year for who's your dark horse to come out and you know go for it. We all kind of thought they'd be close, and this year they're just on fire to start the season. And I don't think it's—I don't think it's fake. I don't think they're going to cool off that much. I think what they have built here is awesome, and I think they're even a team that's probably going to go out and be a spender at the trade deadline and try to mm-hmm. add on, you know, an extra cherry on top. Okay, so I got the Bryce Harper numbers. It was his MVP season in 2015. When he was 22 years old, he added like 15, 20 pounds in the offseason, led the National League in home runs with 42, led the National League in run scores with 118, led the National League huh. in on-base percentage slugging OPS and OPS+. plus. He was an all-star, and he was an MVP, and he was a silver slugger. I mean, are you kidding me? At 22 years old, this is Bryce Harper taking over the league. Man does it all. All right, yeah. I'm going I'm to end it with that. It was so fun to have you on, Dave. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for jumping on. We talk Bears, Bulls, and Major League Baseball on this edition of Most, Most Valuable Podcast brought to you by, well, this is Behind the Pen, so Behind the Pen was brought to you by Most Valuable Podcast. But, guys, thank you so much for sticking around. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, the full-length podcast can be found there on mostvaluablepodcast.com and blogtalkradio.com backslash Behind the Pen. YouTube. Thank you, guys. Love the support every single week. Love the feedback, the, the sharing, the commenting. Love having the conversations. Love reading them. Love the feedback. I can't say that enough. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Man, we're we're shooting for 10K. Like, this is serious. Oh, it, it's going down, yeah. Yeah, this is happening. Actually going up. Yeah. So always, <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to Dave's voice, because I know I enjoyed having him on, check out the Fast Break podcast where he posts a podcast where he's a part of the podcast every single week. They talk basketball. It was a pleasure having you on, Dave, yep. one more thank time. Thank you again for having me. Oh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This has been another edition of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rank, and as always, guys, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.